Ladies and gentlemen, in the red corner, hailing from the state of Nevada, representing the steam and wise guys, it's the always feared Vegas Odds Maker! And in the blue corner, the crowd favorite from South Florida, Mark Winning Picks Lawrence! And now, let's get it on! Against the spread, Winning Picks with Mark Lawrence! Hi everybody, welcome back once again. This is Mark Lawrence along with the crew, Victor King from King Creole Sports. Andy Isco joining us from TheLogicalApproach.com and our good friend Jim Feist from Las Vegas. We're fresh off a great Christmas holiday. I hope yours was just as good to you as it was to us. And with that, we're all set to go against the spread on this week's college football bowl and NFL football cards. And Victor, I'm going to ask you, first of all, how was your Christmas? The, um, the holiday itself was a little difficult. We spent a lot of time with my wife's family, uh, which we're very appreciative of. But, uh, I mean, to be honest, Sandy and I probably cried a little more than we usually do on both Sunday and Monday. Naturally, uh, understandable. Uh, we're still grieving. We're still processing the grief. Uh, with that said, though, Mark, we do not let the grief affect our performance. And we're pleased that the totals tip sheet went 4-1 and one last week in our return from the one-week hiatus. And our King Creole service went 4-1 and one in NFL over-unders Very nice. as well. So we're pleased with those results. And I know a lot of other customers are pleased, probably paid for most of their Christmas present nut. <laughs> and that would be Mark Lawrence customers. It was a smoking Christmas weekend for Mark. He released five football plays on Saturday, Sunday, Monday. According to our numbers here, Mark, a perfect 5-0. and oh, Way to go. We're talking about a four-star uh, best bet winner on the Pittsburgh Steelers on Saturday against the Cincinnati Bengals. You saw what they did in the NFL. A four-star best bet on is at Northern Illinois in the Camellia Bowl, an outright dog winner. And we saved the best for last. And that's Mark's 10-star NFL game of the year was on Monday night on the Baltimore Ravens. A lot of people were on the other side on the home favorite 49ers. But, Mark, you brought home the bacon, a no-sweat 10-star winner, and way to go. I know a lot of Playbook customers are very, very pleased right now. Well, thank you very much, Victor. It was indeed a, a, a Christmas that I'll remember and cherish for a long time. I'd like to be able to do those regularly, but bottom line here is we enjoyed it thoroughly, and it was nice to see Lamar Jackson probably vault himself to the top of the MVP list with his performance in that Monday night football game. So we'll take that each and every week. We're going to wrap it up this week with the college football bowl games. With that, Andy Isco, how was your week last week in college and pro football? Uh, the football was uh, better in the pros than in the colleges, as we were remarking before we went on the air. I'm uh, making a resolution not to play bowl games involving six and six or five and seven teams against each other next year. Unfortunately, that resolution can be kept for about 11 and a half months till next bowl season, because <laughs> I believe we're done uh, with those games uh, this year. Uh, my Christmas itself was uh, nice and relaxing the way I had hoped it. Uh, most of my family is, uh, well, basically all of my family is back East. So I'm out here uh, having uh, 
celebrating and observing the holidays with uh, uh, friends who are uh, in similar situations. So that worked out very nicely. And that uh, whets my appetite for this coming weekend, not necessarily the New Year's Eve celebrations, although I'll be watching them, but the football that's going to be playing. And of course, uh, the colleges leaving uh, Sunday, December 31st, which is normally a big bowl day, uh, entirely to the NFL. And then we get treated to we get treated to some some really good bowl matchups, both on Saturday and uh, Monday, New Year's Day. And Jim Feist, I understand you had some good food at a real nice new restaurant in Las Vegas, the Cathedral, as you were telling me. I'm going to look, certainly look forward to visiting that and seeing that. Aside from the good food, Jim, how was your football weekend? Well, um, I had a great weekend. As a matter of fact, it's been a, a run, knock on wood, several uh, weekends in a row, and pro football have been absolutely amazing. And college hoops is warming up as well. And I want to say here near the end of the year, how much I've enjoyed being on the show with all of you. Great handicapping talent on this show. Mark, Andy, Victor, and Greg. Really appreciate being on. It's been fun. And I've learned a lot just listening to you guys. And Mark, great, great week. Um, and um, yeah, your, your customers have to be celebrating. Here, question for you, though. Yes. If the Ravens played the Niners tomorrow, all healthy, everything good. Trent Williams back. What's the line? Super Bowl, you're talking? Yeah, well, that's where they can go. And right. I think that's what's going to happen. I would say Frisco three. On a neutral field? Yes. Wow. Okay. I might, you... I might make it two to see which way the line moves. One would think it might go towards the 49ers. A lot of people will react to see what Baltimore did so I you know and people talk about well the Ravens uh, the, the 49ers want revenge revenge does not matter in the Super Bowl you're playing for the reason you just beat your bodies up for the past five and a half months but I three I think would either I would think more money would come in on the Ravens at plus three at plus at, at plus two I'm not really sure and you know what I could even understand depending upon how assuming these teams play similarly through the time that they get there I would not be totally uncomfortable with a pick'em line. Let me ask you this then, Andy, uh, with the Super Bowl being in Las Vegas, and there's generally a lot of California influence in the money that's being bet in the Super Bowl, do you feel that they being from Northern California, San Francisco, they would also influence this line, uh, Super Bowl being played in Vegas? They might somewhat, because a lot of people, of course, uh, California not having the legalized sports betting, and most of the nation, of course, now having DraftKings and MGM and the others that are available. But uh, the Northern Californians have for years and years supported the 49ers uh, very heavily by driving over to uh, Reno, Carson City, Tahoe, that area as well. But the amount of money that is bet so heavily not just worldwide, but now even more so nationwide, I'm not sure how much of an impact it will have on the lines all over the place because, you know, with the Don Best and all that, you can monitor lines all over. So even if there's a preponderance of money on the 49ers here in Nevada, it may not translate into a one-sided action in Nevada because the books will adjust compared to what's available elsewhere simply because you don't have to be in Nevada anymore uh, to uh, wager on, uh, on football. Victor, let me ask you this, your your question, uh, your answer to that question here, what would you be looking for? What line would you be looking for? I'm not going to pin you to the, to the Ravens or the Niners in the game, but what would you feel would be a tough decision for you to have to make for a point spread? 
before your guess and Andy's guess, mine was going to be two and a half. So I got no problem splitting it right down the middle. And I would make the Niners a two and a half point favorite again with Andy's idea of let's seeing let's let's see how that influences the line that two and a half. Uh, that that's probably where I would put it. I, I think uh, the reason primarily the primary reason I went to three to start the conversation is the fact that even after Baltimore's convincing win over the Niners Monday night Christmas night, the Superbook still has San Francisco as a Super Bowl favorite. And which I thought was a little bit surprising. I thought maybe maybe in a tie with Baltimore, but uh, they still have the San Francisco as the number one team to beat in the Super Bowl. So I don't know whether or not, from a bookmaker standpoint, that they're going to come off of that all that much. You know, it remains to be seen. But a biggest part of what's going to happen here is going to be the betting public and how they're going to perceive these two football teams. Jim, who do you think the betting public goes to in a game like this, San Francisco or Baltimore? You know, all, all year, Mark, I've thought that the Niners had the best roster um, and the best schemes and were the best team in football. But then I go back and I look at, I want to look at the coaching. Harbaugh's a great coach. He, does, he has done remarkable things over the years, and he continues to do so. And Kyle Shanahan, nobody's going to knock what he's been able to do as a head coach. The only problem I have with him is – he seems to not be able to make adjustments as well as he should. There's a stat out there that bothers me. The last, and I'm going to try to get this right. Last 38 times, no, the last 38 times, I believe, that he's been down by eight or more in the fourth quarter, he's never won. Yeah, that's sort of staggering. I, I, I remember reading, glossing over that myself as well. And he would be one of the coaches in the league you would least suspect to be the answer to that question. Well, remember uh, the game against uh, New England in the Super Bowl when he was the uh, coordinator in Atla with Atlanta? 28 to 3 ahead, halftime, and he never made the right adjustments. He never should have lost that game. And in the Super Bowl against Kansas City, where Kansas City won that game, yep. they were up 10 in the fourth quarter. And, no. you know, it just it seems like. They say he's a scheme quarter, uh, coach and he can't get off of his nose out of the board that he's reading and make the adjust. And maybe that's true. I'm not a, I'm not an expert at being coach to coach. I've never been a coach. But maybe that's true. Maybe he is just locked into his system and can't move off of it. I think part of it also with San Francisco still being favored, and I understand it, is you could make the argument that San Francisco has an easier path to the Super Bowl considering their two most likely challengers are Philadelphia and Dallas, both of whom they beat. Uh, one very handily at home in Dallas, one very handily on the road at Philadelphia. Maybe the only other, I'll call it legitimate or potential contender in the NFC, might be a Detroit. But this is their first playoff experience in some time, and you don't know if they'd be able to win the uh, uh, the three games that they would need to get to the playoffs. Because Detroit, I believe, can be no higher than the number two seed. They're going to be the number two or number three, so they're going to have to play some on the road. In the AFC, as as solid as, as Baltimore has, you could see legitimate challenges from teams like Miami. You still can't really, I think, write off uh, Kansas City, despite their issues, they still managed to uh, be competitive, and you have to respect Mahomes. Even Buffalo, 
if if they can, and you know, they still have a chance to win the the AFC East. So I think the competition for Baltimore may be considered, at least, not necessarily turn out that way, but be considered because of the teams that are likely to challenge them, as to the, opposed to the teams that are likely to challenge San Francisco, against whom the 49ers have already shown they can win convincingly. Excellent, excellent point. Let's bring our producer uh, Greg De Palma in. If Greg, if you're listening right now, I'd like your opinion on what you think would be a game aligned on that Super Bowl game that would attract you. Well, right now, I guess it would all depend because we still have a ways to go. And I think it's kind of interesting. We talked about this several times this season when I kept asking you guys every few weeks, well, who's your pick to win the Super Bowl? And I guess that's going to be the question now after Baltimore beat San Francisco because Baltimore is a new team, isn't it? We haven't talked about Baltimore as being maybe the team to beat to win the Super Bowl. So um, that, I guess, goes into my thinking about what the point spread might be because in about, what, four weeks, six weeks, if there's when there's a Super Bowl, if they're both in it, lots of, gonna, lots of things are going to change probably between now and then. So if you're just asking tomorrow if the game was played, I think that's a different story. But if you're asking six weeks from now, I just I think the way the NFL has gone, it's sort of like the way the NFL MVP race has gone. It changes every week. I'd like to throw in, I'd like to throw sure. in a, another little tw- twist here. This has been kind of a, I mean, half, half more not half the teams, but like eight or ten of the teams in the NFL are really kind of garbage. And you've got a lot of backup quarterbacks, you a lot of coaches that really don't know what the hell they're doing at this level yet. They might learn, get there, they might grow there. But is this the kind of a year where an off-brand team, somebody that we haven't been really talking much about that could sneak in there? I mean, we've seen Kansas City flopping. We've seen, now we saw the game the other night with Trent Williams out, you know, the Niners get trashed, and they looked like trash, and Purdy looked like trash. But he doesn't handle pressure very well, especially from the his blind side. So how about a team, maybe a Buffalo? How about a Rams? Rams Somebody or Cleveland? How about a Cleveland oh, Browns? Browns? Yeah. Yeah, I would, love, I would actually love to see that. Number I one mean, defense in the league, hottest quarterback in the league right now. That's a nice combination. Yeah, and I mean, and by the way, off- a fr- a fresh quarterback with Joe Flacco m- right. compared to the other quarterbacks who've been playing 15, 16 games. It's just that when he runs the ball, Andy, you don't see that freshness. <laughs> yeah. uh, he, he throws it imagine, rather imagine well. Imagine how tough they would be if they had Chubb around. Oh, my oh. goodness. Now, that's a team we would be talking about as a potential Super Bowl winner, the Cleveland Browns, with Nick Chubb in that lineup. Mm-hmm. And uh, let me share this with you guys. And uh, the one drastic thing that I've seen about the Cleveland Browns this year and studying our midweek alert stat logs is throughout the progression in the course of the year, Cleveland has gone dramatically from a running team to a passing team. Their rushing stats are, are horrible. I mean, horrible by rushing standards, I should say right now, but their passing numbers have really, really zoomed. That's obviously because of Joe Flacco, who since he's come to Cleveland has more passing yards than any quarterback in the league since he's been in the, since he joined the team. So they've, they, they're a team with a coach, Kevin Stefanski, a former NFL coach of the year, who I think should also be in the running right now for where they absolutely, are. Absolutely should be. Yep. Right. All that, Mike, they're on their fourth quarterback and a myriad of injuries. Just unbelievable. They may have both kickers out this week here as well. Uh, so I think they should, too, be in the running. Victor, what do you think about the Cleveland Browns' chances to make the Super Bowl? No, I'm, a, I'm a, in total agreement with you guys. You got uh... – a fantastic defense. You got a veteran quarterback. You still got some pretty good running backs in Jerome Ford 
and Kareem Hunt. You got a uh, 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 Amari Cooper who had a career game. You got uh, 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 Najoku who's having a, a career for the ages in terms of tight end. He's Joe Flacco's uh, number one best buddy, that's for sure. And you know, you mentioned uh, we touched on it very briefly last week how Cleveland has evolved to a pass first team. If you ask me who is the NFL MVP in the second half of the season, it's easily Joe Flacco and the Cleveland Browns. And in last week's game against Houston, in which we were on the over in that particular game, the fact that Cleveland lost their kicker, like in the very first few minutes of the game, Hopkins, it, yeah, that's it, it, it completely turned them around offensively. They played a lot more looser, a lot more aggressive on yes. offense in that week, knowing that they would not be settling on field goals, that they would not be considering a field goal on fourth down, that they would try to attempt every fourth down conversion they possibly can. And you saw the result, 36 points over 400 yards against Houston. And it's kind of interesting how just losing a kicker completely turned that offense around last you know, what I like about it all, Victor, aside from the fact that you and I are both from Cleveland, just as fans, uh, is they're anchored by a really, really staunch defense. And the defense, amazingly, I read this, I couldn't believe this, Miles Garrett has not had a sack in the last five games. And he was the sack meister yeah. in the National Football League this year. And they've gotten to where they are without those sacks from him. So imagine when he cranks things up, what can happen with the Cleveland Browns. I'm going to throw another team in there that I don't think anyone's mentioned, and it's not getting a lot of, uh, of notoriety as well, but their numbers and their situations. Miami, the Dolphins. Everyone talks about the offense, and well, they should. They are number one in total offense. They're number one in scoring offense. But look at that number defense. People, mm. the Miami defense, people will be surprised. That, Bingo. Remember, yeah. they started the season in that wild uh, 36, 34, whatever, at, at the Chargers, where they gave up like 200 and something rushing yards. And those numbers have impacted the totals, even though they've played outstanding rushing defense since then. Miami is actually number four right there with Baltimore in total defense. They are number five, excuse me, number five against the rush, allowing only 91 yards per game. And remember, that average includes that horrible performance against the Chargers. And they are not only number five against the rush, they're number 10 against the pass. So that's a pretty good balanced combination. And even on a yards per play basis, they actually are right there with Baltimore, number five versus number two. So their defense is not getting, and we expected I don't know that we expected this much of, a, of an improvement, but Fangio coming over first season took some time. This team has played solid defense for much of the season, and yet they've been over overshadowed by the talk of uh, Kansas City still having the experience, Buffalo making a late-season run, Cincinnati until they lost uh, the game the other day, uh, Miami, and Baltimore, of course. So Miami sort of hasn't been uh, getting, I think, the kind of recognition. Maybe that's a good thing with them. That's what makes this week's game so fascinating. You're right on the money with that, Andy. We called that out in our playbook newsletter. Uh, it's one of our best bets this week, and we called out the, the, the great job they're doing defensively. It's been overlooked largely because of the offense, the offense that got off to that scintillating start, but it's the defense that's carrying this football team right now, and they're they're getting the, the, the Vic Fangio uh, playbook down pat. Uh, and you, you see Bradley Chubb. You talk about Nick Chubb. Bradley Chubb is in the backfield just about every play when there's a passing play for the Miami Dolphins. So I agree with you. I think you got to also throw Miami into the mix. I know people will say that 
Eh, they haven't fared all that well against winning teams. And yeah, they did beat Dallas in an ugly win. But the bottom line here is they play these games one game at a time. Uh, and they're going to play whoever's standing in front of them. They're not going to wor- uh, worry about the fact that, uh, oh, we've got to beat uh, San Francisco here because they're San Francisco. No. Uh, they're going to go up and play Baltimore this week because it's who's in front of them this particular week. And maybe the defense goes in there feeling they have a chip on their shoulder because it's Baltimore that's getting all the ink and the Baltimore defense that's getting all the ink. But I think the winner of the Miami-Baltimore game will be the team that plays the best defensive football in that contest. And it might be at the game that decides the number one seed in the right. AFC. Well, if yeah. uh, if you know if if they if it may very well come down because if they beat Baltimore, they'll have the tiebreaker edge over the Ravens if they're tied. And if they can beat Buffalo in Week uh, 18, and that's at home, and it's a revenge game for Miami, who had probably their worst loss of the season, that 48 to 20 loss in Buffalo earlier in the year. Um, you're looking at the AFC's number one seed if they can get by the Ravens. Hey, let's shift this over, guys. Uh, I don't want to get off these really good teams that are promising to make the Super Bowl because our NFL game of the week is not one of those teams. (laughs) Uh, In fact, it comes out of the NFC North division when Green Bay takes on Minnesota Sunday night. And the reason we chose this football game is because there's a ton of importance in the game going into the contest there. Minnesota's the number eight seed in uh, uh, in the NFC. Green Bay, the number 10 seed, and you've got a, a lot going on in this football game, a ton of injuries to the Minnesota Vikings in this contest. We, I still don't know. Victor, do you know who's quarterbacking for Minnesota in this game? Uh, I do not for sure. I'm sure they'll announce it by the weekend, but that definitely will be coming into play whether or not we bet over or under or pass in this particular game. The, the, <laughs> the latest I heard was Jared Allen is more likely to get the start over Mullins and Dobbs. I think that would be Jared Hall. Hall? I'm sorry, Jared Hall, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now, would he be their fourth quarterback, just like the Cleveland uh, uh, Raider situation, the fourth quarterback for them? Yes, who has started this year for Minnesota, yeah. Jared Hall. He was actually their their second quarterback, but then he got a concussion Right. right away, like on the first drive when he replaced Cousins. Dobbs came in, stole the job. Went to Mullins. Now they may be going back to Hall. So he's one of the 59 quarterbacks that have started this year. <laughs> it's unbelievable. 59 quarterbacks have started a game in the National What's the football. previous record? I'm sorry? What's the previous record? Do we uh, know? It, Has somebody it, come out with that information? I didn't find out what it is, but I'm going to guess somewhere in the 40s. Uh, maybe. Maybe. You know. Uh, it, it has to be obviously in the 40s because 32 teams are going to, you know, if you go one and a half times that, you're going to 48 quarterback so uh but it's it's unbelievable the way they're doing things how do you see the over-under coming out here victor i know it's a tough call to ask you with this quarterback situation and the minnesota injuries being what they are this team is absolutely ravaged with injuries right now minnesota but you know they're at home they're back to the playoff wall how do you see an over-under shaking out here well money it looks like it's come in on the over i'm showing that it opened around 44 and it's up to 46 and a half there's even a couple of 47s out there uh, on the high side in what's been a low-scoring NFL season. And, of course, it's uh, one of a handful of what we call these, uh, you know, desperation games. Uh, as you mentioned, both teams come in with, what, identical seven and eight records on the year. They're tied with two other teams in the race for the NFC Wild Card. Atlanta and the Saints, I believe, are also seven and eight. So it basically means in these desperation games that the loser – will be eliminated from, uh, you know, playoff competition. With that said, both teams are trending over the total as of late. The Green Bay defense 
has pretty much collapsed uh, in the last two months. Green Bay now a perfect 5-0 and to the over in their last five games, 52.0 combined points per game. Minnesota's last two have both gone over 52.5 combined points per game. And, uh, hey, uh, since this is, uh, what, week 17 of the NFL season, Mark, we get to use one of our favorite words. It's the penultimate week of the season <laughs> in the NFL, second last week of the season. You know what? This has been a great week for overs in division games in which the home team is favored. Last six years, game 16, division home favorites of greater than a point have gone 17 and 2 to the over. 17 overs, only two unders, as long as the OU line is in that range of 38 to 51 points. when A, the home team is favorite, and the OU line is less than 52 points. So we did use the Packers-Vikings over as a tip sheet play. Chances are we may use it as a King Creole play, but I will hold off until we get a definitive quarterback sighting in this game. If it is, if it's Nick Mullins, I'm betting the over. If it's Hall, I'm going to pass in the game. I say that because Nick Mullins is one of these quarterbacks that over betters love to cash with. He's he a very, very right. He's a very risky, dynamic quarterback. Takes a lot of downfield risks, but he's just as apt to throw a pick six as he is to throw a touchdown to Justin Jefferson. So, with that said, we'll hold off, Mark. If Mullins is named the starter, we'll bet the over. If it's Hall, we're going to pass on Sunday night. Sort of like a referee play or a, a, an umpire play, right? Know. Yeah, exactly right. That's what Nick Mullins is in this football game. Jim, how do you see this game coming about? Is there a side that you're going to have an interest in, or are you going to wait till things shake out as far as player personnel is concerned? I think the coaches are very, very competitive. I think they can. They both have a lot of talent and will probably be around a long time. The quarterback issue, when you're going to a, a, a quarterback that hasn't really played very much against one that has played every game during out the year, I got to give the edge to the Packers quarterback. Um, field conditions of indoor games, so we're not going to have any of that. But the total going from 43 and a half to 46 and a half, I had already betted at a, be- at a better number than it is now. Um, and I don't see Minnesota being a favorite with that quarterback situation. With Mullins, like Victor said, he's kind of. Um, He's hot or cold. He can he can win it for you. You can lose it for you. More apt to throw a touchdown pass for the other team as is the Sharon <laughs> team. So, I, I would favor Packers and over. Well, this looks to be a, another game where I, I believe it's Minnesota's fourth quarterback also this year. You mentioned Hall having previously started, uh, but you know a great job by their head coach this football yeah. season keeping this team in the hunt. They look a little bit like the Cleveland Browns of the NFC although their defense is nothing comparative. Andy, what do you think happens in this football game? Well, a couple of things. Number one, we know the quarterback situation in Minnesota, but also Addison's status for this game right. is uncertain. Hawkinson's, uh, Hawkins, out. Hawkinson's out for the year. Right. Yep. Uh, Minnesota has not been a very good team at running the football this year. In fact, looking at the uh, numbers, they rank 27th, averaging only 93 rushing yards 
uh, per game. They do defend uh, the, the run very well, but their ability on offense where you're looking for something to, you know, if they were a better balanced team, I could make a better case for the over, even with the injuries. Now, these teams played earlier in the year in Green Bay, Minnesota, that won that game uh, 24 to 10. And the stats suggested it would be a low. The, the stats suggested that the game was a low scoring game because they didn't gain a lot of total yards in that game. Um, normally I would look for the, uh, for the, for the over in this game, but I'm concerned about those Minnesota injuries and the fact that they're not a balanced team. Uh, and I, I, in the game, I'm right now I'm looking at green Bay and I want to see the line move a little bit. Jordan love last six games, only one interception. That's a significant improvement from earlier in the year uh, when he was, you know, he had the back-to-back the -back weeks where he had two and three. Uh, he's come through very nicely. Uh, again, it's a revenge game for the uh, Packers. They seem a little bit healthier right now than the Vikings, uh, more stability. Um, since it is an important game and the line is so low, if I play it, uh, part of the play will be on the money line on the Packers. Well, it sounds like, uh, you know, we're going to be waiting to see exactly what the Minnesota injury situation is. I can throw this little note in there that Green Bay has fared really rather well on Sunday night football. But again, that's probably uh, with an asterisk because a lot of those numbers largely involved Aaron Rodgers, who's obviously no longer there with the football program. So uh, let our listeners know out there that uh, this show, this segment is being brought to you by our friends at uwager.lv, where every Friday you get minus 105 juice on every football play you make for the weekend. Imagine betting every game you do at minus $1.05 juice. That's what it's all about, value, and you get it at uwager.lv. Log on or give them a call at 1-800-U-WAGER to find out how you can get minus 105 on Fridays at every play you make. By the way, Mark, a, a couple yep. other notes on the game. Uh, sure. Jair Alexander is suspended. Right, for Green Bay. So that's key. And it does not look good for Christian Watson again. He did not practice today. Wow. So you're talking about having him. And let's remember, they gave up 30 points last week to Carolina. And I know right. we're talking about Minnesota's injuries, but that's Carolina. So, and how about some trends from the playbook publication that go against Green Bay? How about this one? What you Minnes got? Minnesota's 9-0 against the spread off back-to-back straight-up losses when they take on an opponent off a straight-up win, while Green Bay is 0-9 against the spread as dogs of less than five versus losing teams, and they're 0-2 this year with that same trend. Well, so, 9-0 versus 0-9. Some trending here to the Minnesota Vikings in that football I'll, I'll game. tell you what, the surprising yeah. thing about that 0-9 trend for the Packers is that I'm sure most of those were with uh, Rodgers at quarterback. Yes. Right. Yeah, that's true. And that's that's the one thing about the trends that you have to obviously keep in mind that uh, when I look at a trend, I'm looking at a trend most almost always from a coach's standpoint. How were these trends put together with the coach? Not so much the quarterback, but the coach. And there's been obviously coaching changes involved here with Minnesota in the football program as well. So, you know, you have to take that uh, with a little, little grain of salt here when you're putting these trends together here I, and make, make I, sure that it applies. I do, I do consider the quarterback when it's a quarterback that's been around for, say, at least the, half a dozen program. years or so with the team, like right. a, a Favre, like a Rodgers, like a, a, a Big Ben in Pittsburgh. It's interesting to see how some of these – you know, we have the argument or the discussion about is it the coach or the quarterback, but look at how certain teams have done since the quarterback, the franchise quarterback has left. Look at Pittsburgh and their decline. We know New England and their decline. 
Look at the Chargers after Phillip Rivers left, although there's a little bit situation because they got effectively in Herbert, another franchise quarterback. You look at the Giants decline since uh, Eli Manning uh, is gone. So, you know, it, it, there, I think there's more to support. If you're going to choose one or the other, and of course, most of us think it's a combination, but if you're going to choose one or the other, there's a, a lot to support. It's more the coach uh, than the uh, quarterback. Because good coaches are able to turn, you know, good coaches turn mediocre, co- mediocre quarterbacks into good quarterbacks and good quarterbacks into great quarterbacks. But sometimes if you're just a so-so coach, the quarterback may have reached his level before you get him. Sort of like Brandon Staley and uh, Justin Herbert. We hope not. <laughs> <laughs> what might have happened with the Chargers. But it's a great point, Andy, because in my well-oiled machine, I do have, I keep tabs on coaches and I keep tabs on quarterbacks. And what's ironic is if I go to look up the Baltimore Ravens this week and I'll go look at uh, Harbaugh, John Harbaugh and all the things that he's done with the Ravens. And then I look at Lamar Jackson and all the things he's done with it. They almost mirror one another because they've been a tandem together, yep. uh, at least as far as Lamar Jackson is concerned in the NFL. So while Lamar Jackson's real good against the NFC, so too is John Harbaugh. So like you say, Andy, who, you know, who, who sliced the, uh, who buttered the bread there? Was it, is it Jackson for Harbaugh or Harbaugh for Jackson? Well, Harbaugh is an interesting situation because he was successful before Jackson came along. He had that yes. Super Bowl win and, you know, m- multiple playoff appearances. He's now what? I think he's the second or he may be the third longest tenured coach right now behind uh, Tomlin and uh, Belichick. And, uh, you know, he's had success. He had, well, he had success with Joe Flacco. So, I mean, it's a little bit of a different situation there because he's, he's had success with multiple quarterbacks at a high level. You know, one thing about him also in doing that make workup for the uh, Baltimore uh, Frisco game, I noticed that Harbaugh is maybe the only coach in the national football league that has a, winning record on the road for all of the games that he's coached in the national football. Like you don't find many coaches that have coached over a hundred games and have more wins yeah. on the road than they have losses. Very successful. Yes. It's interesting with the trend though, because you talk about Aaron Rodgers might've been involved in a lot of these games before this year with that trend. Let's keep this in mind. First of all, again, they're Owen two with the trend this year, but yeah. remember this is about being a dog of less than five versus a losing team. So how many times was Aaron Rodgers a dog of less than five versus a losing team? He's never. He's, right, he's always a road favorite in those situations. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. this might be going back a long ways. Who knows? It, well, if you do that, then you go to Brett Favre. Could be. Right before Rodgers. Yeah. So you're going back. You're know, literally you going, you're going yeah. 30 years. Yeah, maybe. So. You know what Minnesota would say to your answer your question, Greg? They would say, don't call me a stinking losing team. They're, <laughs> they're sitting here right now trying to make the playoffs. So I don't think they consider themselves a loser. But technically, you're right. They do have a losing football record. By the way, the, one of those losses this year was against Minnesota when Minnesota was a losing team earlier this go. year. And Minnesota was a one-point favorite at Green Bay. By exactly. the way, I want to I want to ask you something, Mark, about your database when you track results against winning and losing teams. And maybe you do it both ways, which is interesting. Do you track the record of the team if it's a losing team at the time they play, like yes. 0 and 1? Yes. Or do you, or do you also track the what that team turned out to be a winning team or a losing team, which of course you can't forecast, you know, week six of the season that that's going to be a winning or losing team, but you can go back yeah. afterwards and say against teams that finished as winning teams this team has done such and such a situation. Then it's left up to the handicapper and the better whether to decide in week 10, if that team's likely to be a winning 
team or a losing team if they're four and four. So well, Victor, Victor tip the answer. Go ahead, Victor. Oh, yeah, it's definitely the record of the team at yeah. the time of that particular game. And Greg, by the way, Greg, any guy who is sticking up for the trends and all the work we do in this publication is okay, okay in my book. <laughs> they, That's my Bible. That, there you there's, go. There's a there's a point. I don't know if you do this or not, but this year we've had a lot of you mentioned 59 quarterbacks starting games. No. There's been a lot of backup quarterbacks. So it does make a difference when, say, a a Dolphins play six great six teams in a row and every one of the teams had a backup quarterback. Do you keep those kind of records? I know it's difficult, and with this year it's even worse because it's happening so often. Well, as, as deep as I go in the quarterbacks, Jim, is this. is uh, I'll look at the quarterbacks, and I'll bring them forward as being a current starting quarterback. Now, there are cases where I will also put off to the side and file former starting quarterbacks because they may have retired. Uh, they may be playing somewhere where they're not playing and so forth and whatnot. Now, I had to go dust off Joe Flacco as a former starting quarterback and <laughs> open up his record. <laughs> when was the last time he was a starting quarterback? Last year for the Jets, wasn't he? Jets, yeah. A game yes. or two? Yeah. Yep. By the, by the game, way, yeah. with the 59 quarterbacks, what's surprising to me is, is, well, yeah, 59 is surprising, but the number of quarterbacks who are starting not because of injury to the guy ahead of them, but because of ineffectiveness of the guy ahead of them. We've had so many more benchings this year of quarterbacks because of performance or lack thereof than in recent years. Well, Russell a, Wilson's been benched. Yeah. They benched him for Stidham. Who yeah. will who, who will not be starting anymore for the Denver Broncos? Right. Or maybe or maybe ever with that yeah. price tag on them. Yeah, yeah. And, the, and the reason Denver is resting him is because they have to pay him. I think it's thirty six million next year, and they don't want to play him and have him get injured. And all of a sudden, they're locked into that contract. That's like the but, situation with Derek Carr last year with the Raiders. Well, much the same. Them. Exactly right. Much the same. Exactly right. Okay, guys. Uh, with that, Greg, if you could do this, uh, I know people would like to know what Jim Feist what he saw in the football games, the recap of the NFL football games last week. If you could roll that, I know our listeners would love to see what Jim has to say. Good morning, everybody. And I hope everyone had a great Christmas day. It is now Tuesday. It's early in the morning. We watched the dismantling of the, what I think is the best team in football, the San Francisco 49ers. But now there's some question marks. I think I mentioned earlier that if Trent Williams is not on the offensive line, San Francisco is going to have problems. They have a young quarterback who doesn't handle the pressure all that well. He's semi-mobile, but not enough. He's certainly not Lamar Jackson. Um, he got undressed last night. Baltimore did them in. A lot of the early points by Baltimore came off turnovers, but that's part of the game. San Francisco can still elevate themselves to the position of hosting at home. It looks like they still would be the favorite to do so. Uh, there's some teams out there that are doing pretty well, actually. Uh, the L.A. Rams, they got the coach, they got the quarterback, they got some great wide receivers, they're running the ball well, their offensive line's a little okay. Defense, they're okay. They're not a great team. They don't have stacked players everywhere that are – superstars, but they got it going right now. And that's the dangerous time, a dangerous situation for anyone having to face them. 
because they can score. And if you can score, you can win. Now, that's one situation. I don't know what happened with uh, Buffalo, with the Chargers. That was a mess. After beating up on Dallas, they went out to L.A. They did not look good at all. Everybody's talking about this is the dangerous team. I don't know. I don't know. There's something missing. There's a, a DNA gene missing. Miami, Dallas, uh, Dallas goes on the road, plays another road game where they didn't win. However, it wasn't terrible. Now, I'm not super high on Miami because I think even though they have a lot of speed players, the good coaching, et cetera, et cetera, two is playing good, ball out of his hand quicker than anybody else in the league. They're a little bit fragile in so far as a lot of their players are speed guys. They're not big, burly guys that don't get banged up and hurt real quickly. Um, it could cost them. It probably will. Uh, this week, they're going to play Baltimore. And Baltimore is the team that just dismantled San Francisco. Let me move this screen a little bit. And uh, Baltimore starts out three, up to four. 47 is the total. And if to watch the weather, you can't just go jump out there with these in this situation with the weather that we get around the country. But that's a big move from San Francisco all the way back home to play Miami, who's coming off with a little bit extra rest one day. Um, it's going to be interesting. Talk about Kansas City. This is a ch defending champion. Mahomes is whining a lot. It doesn't. It's not a good look on his part. Yeah, he came into the league and he's dominated the league. I mean, he's he's a great quarterback and got a great head coach, a lot of weapons, but not as many weapons as they had. They got rid of some really good players. I mean, there's a lot of them are down with Miami, and it's showing. Um, you know, Kelsey's getting a little older. Uh, they're making good money. They're doing a lot of commercials. Anytime somebody does a lot of commercials, and both of these guys, Mahomes and Kelsey, are doing that, you got to wonder how much time they have on the field practicing and focusing. Because I've done commercials in my life. It takes a lot of time, especially with this network quality stuff. You can be days doing a commercial. So that means you're not playing football. Anyway, I think they lose focus. I think they are still in the AFC when it comes down to it, it's them and Baltimore at the moment, especially if can, Baltimore can hold serve this week against Miami. Um, yeah, but I'm not impressed. You know, I'm just not impressed. And the wide receivers are very weak on this team. Very unimpressive. Um, you know, Tampa Bay's uh, hosting the Saints. This is a big game for division there, 7-8 team against the 8-7 team. Saints don't look good, but, man, I'm telling you, Baker Mayfield, the Buccaneers, they're doing well. They're playing well. They got a little bit of a, a you know, bonus last week because Lawrence wasn't all that well and they're not playing well. But this is a, this is a big game. Then San Francisco is going to bounce back off that loss. They go to Washington, who's a mess. Um, that's that's going to be very interesting. I know Purdy got a little banged up. Donald came in and looked okay. Uh, it's still a great team with a lot of great weapons. CMC, you know, it's 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 a tough situation there. I mean, this if if Trent Williams is not at left tackle, this is a different football team. This 
This is the, probably the best left tackle in football. Uh, you got two right-handed quarterbacks there with Donald and Purdy. And they, Purdy doesn't handle the pressure that well. In the four games they lost, it was Trent Williams was hurt in all four of those games. So that's a, that's a big one. They're laying 13 and a half, 14 points at the Commanders, who are a disaster anyway. But Brissett is probably the best quarterback they have, and they should use him. It gives them more stability. They can be dangerous. I certainly would not lay that kind of price. Now, we know the Bengals are gone, but they're going to play against the Chiefs. The Bengals looked like crap against Pittsburgh the other day, and Browning didn't hold up. And a lot of these guys, they run into face into pressure, and they don't look good. And uh, the Chiefs are going to have to bounce back, and it's laying seven points at home. The Broncos are out. Russell Wilson's, you know, one of my favorites over the years, but God's honest truth, the last couple of years, he's absolutely looked terrible, and he still looks terrible. Uh, the Vikings and the Packers, that's a big game. Both seven and eight. Uh, the late game on Sunday, Vikings are two, 46 and a half, up from 43 and a half. It's a good move on the total. Big, big game there. The Eagles, they're okay. <clears throat> they're not playing great. They almost blew the game against the Giants. Now they're going to play the Cardinals. The Cardinals have nothing to play for, a 3-12 team. But they got Murray, and Murray is a dangerous guy. And uh, he's different. He's kind of a little bit like Lamar. He moves around a lot. He's hard to defend. Uh, the Eagles have to keep their head on straight. But <clears throat> they have the inside track here with, uh, with getting home field, winning the division. <clears throat> Rams are going to be at the Giants. I, I can't see how the Giants can hold up against this club. I mean, laying six on the road, six and a half on the road is a tough spot. But you know, uh, the Colts Raiders, I mean, the Raiders are playing hard. They got this interim coach. They like him. They play hard. The Colts are kind of iffy. I'm, you know, not too much there. The Texans uh, should should get their quarterback uh, under center this week, and the Titans are folding. Five and ten on the year, really nothing to play for. I look for the Texans to come up big in this game. I mean, they have a shot at the playoffs, and a lot of these teams do. And it's wide open. We got two weeks to go. It's wide open. The Falcons at the Bears. This is an, uh, these are two losing teams. Outside shot for the Falcons because of the division they're in. Not impressed. Um, I don't know why the hell the Patriots are trying to win. I mean, they should be getting draft choices. That should be focused. But, the, you know, the players are playing for their jobs. It's the executives that are thinking about draft choices. Players don't think about getting draft choices because it's their jobs they're going to lose to their draft choice. So it's the executives and the coaches that might make that kind of decision. Um, but um, in that spot, the Bills are 12 and against the Patriots, 40 and a half. I don't know what to think of the Bills. I really don't. It's a, it's a mystery. And then you got Pittsburgh. Where the hell did they come from? All of a sudden, they come up with a big game. Of course, they forced Browning into turnovers. He looked absolutely horrible, like Purdy did on uh, Monday night. And uh, now Pittsburgh goes to Seattle. And Seattle has eked out a couple of victories. Seattle's laying three and a half in this game. That is too many points. This... These teams are not that different. 
You got the same record. You got two old coaches that know how to coach. Um, you know, it's it, that, that's just too many points. This could this could go either way. Um, it's it's gonna you know it's exciting. It's exciting. You've got the college hoops. You got the NBA. That's not too, doing too bad in the NBA actually, but it's hard with the the resting players and all that stuff. But but the college hoops is heating up really good and doing really well in the NFL. Um, the last couple of weeks have been absolutely dynamite. Look forward to another great week. I'm going to do uh, some more in-depth podcasting when I get some more injuries. Now, there's a Thursday night game, the Jets at the Browns. Browns are seven. Flacco's been dynamite. They're throwing the ball like 70% of the time. Uh, the running game's a little sketchy, but 44 out of 75 plays, they threw the ball. Flacco's been absolutely dynamite. Um the Jets, I don't know what the Jets are doing. It, it, you know, they say that um, Salah will be back. Who's going to be the quarterback? I don't know. Well, I guess it would be Aaron Rodgers if he wants to play. But you never know about Aaron Rodgers. He likes to be in the media. But he knew all along he wasn't going to play this year. But he likes to have his name in, in, in the paper, if there were papers anymore. But he likes to be on TV, likes to do podcasting, likes... He wants to stay in the limelight, but I don't know that he wants to come back and play football. We'll find that out. But I'm going to do more. Um, this is Tuesday morning. I'm probably late uh, Wednesday. I'll do another one. Thanks, guys. We're back from that. Let's hop over to Andy with his line moves and do all that. But also remind you that Andy Isco also tears apart the weekly contest in Las Vegas. And he does a special standalone show for that. You can catch that at the Playbook Experts YouTube site or at playbooksports.com. And Andy, before we get to those live line moves, I know there's a buzz going on in Vegas right now about the uh, Survivor Contest. And uh, I think, is it down to four people right now as we're speaking? Uh, yes, there are uh, two weeks remaining. The contest, again, goes 20 weeks rather than just the 18 weeks of the season as Thanksgiving and Christmas are, are broken up into two separate segments. And entering this past week, uh, the first part of Christmas week, there were 10 participants remaining competing for $9,267,000 winner-take-all or last survivor or plural survivors splitting it up. Uh, unfortunately, for six of the 10, they were on the Denver Broncos uh, Sunday oh. night uh, who lost oh. on that uh, last-second field goal by the uh, Patriots and were eliminated including, as I recall, the uh, one entry that uh, nixed the uh, – chopped the uh, chopped uh, the pot up uh, before uh, – The guy uh, that refused uh, to chop it up, right? Yeah, the yeah. Th yeah, when there were 13 remaining, I believe he went out this week. He, he did have some, some, some class in wishing everybody success the rest of the way and you know, all that. So, you know, he didn't, he didn't make it look – he was not arrogant in his, let's call it, concession he cost, speech. He cost a lot of people a lot of money, though. Yeah. Oh, sure. And in fact, um, the contest could have ended on Christmas Day because all four of the remaining survivors had the Eagles as their pick. And of course, although they were never behind, they were got a little bit of a scare late when the uh, Giants uh, made a little bit of a run in that fourth quarter. But it did set up the possibility for not just having four millionaires if the Eagles had lost, 
but for multimillionaires because the value of each entry right now is a little over $2.3 million for oh, each of the wow. four entries. So uh, the folks, and as, as I indicate on the video from this week, they can take a look at a tutorial that we provided earlier in the year that allows them to access the websites uh, with information about all four of the content, with all five of the contests that we cover, and they can actually take a look and see uh, once the selections are have to be in, which I believe is uh, Saturday afternoon at 4 p.m. Pacific time, so give it about an hour. They will post them as far as what the four contestants have uh, going for them. If they haven't already played, let's say, uh, an earlier Saturday game, well, there's only one Saturday game, which I think starts uh, after the deadline, or the Thursday night game between Cleveland and the uh, Jets, although I don't believe any of the four have uh, the Jet have the uh, Browns remaining. And that's one of the things that they do show on the website. They show the availability of the of the teams not yet picked by that's the That's what I was going to ask you. They, so they do show that then, correct? Yes. Okay, well, that's good. It gives you an idea of what the other, what the opposition is going to be attacking you with then. Exactly. Very interesting. Well, maybe next week on next week's show, we might have a winner. It depends upon who they've got, who that bullet is that they've got left here. But I know I read where somebody had to use the, one of those four had to use the Chicago Bears last week. And uh, he obviously came up big with that particular play. The Bears are playing some pretty good football right now. So he is a Justin Fields fan right now. I can assure you that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, With that, Andy, you got some line moves, I think, out there from Vegas uh, for the NFL this week that I know our listeners would love to know about. Yes, and by the way, I do know that all four contestants, despite their performance last week, do have the Broncos this week. And I'll see uh, uh, if uh, when we get to a little bit of a later segment, I can go back and check exactly what the favored teams are that they have. There's only four contestants, so it, you know, it wouldn't take very long to inform the audience. Have they, Andy, have they already chopped a little bit of money for each other? I don't, you know, I don't know. I imagine there may be some discussions uh, going on. I know that I had the thought that if I were in that situation, because remember, all these, the twelve of the thirteen a few weeks ago agreed. Uh, so the four who, uh, who are right. still alive are part of the uh, you know, of that group. I would almost suggest, you know, guys, let's guarantee we're all millionaires. Let's each take a million dollars of the pot and we'll play it out for the remaining five point two whatever million. I like it. That's ex- excellent idea. That's what I would do. In you fact, make, make, it a million and, make it a million and one dollar so you can say you're more than a millionaire. Is there any way we can get involved in that now? You know, <laughs> I, well, if you want to buy part of one of those remaining tickets, you, I would think you could probably contact the folks at the circle who they can't facilitate any sort of transaction, but they could probably put you in touch with uh, any of the four who are still available. And I know that the circuit has been offering uh, lines of credit for hedging possibilities for those who uh, oh. are amongst the last few people. So they could facilitate that. But as far as getting specifically involved in any chopping agreement or anything like that, that's left to the uh, contestants who I'm sure uh, would uh, go to get an attorney to draw up uh, a legally binding agreement. And then all the circus involvement is, is when uh, a winner or winners are declared, they, the circa will uh, follow whatever instructions are, they are given as to who to make the checks out to. So that would, I think, what a, what a great contest. What a great contest. A lot of excitement. I would not be surprised. You know, they, they went from, I think, 4,000 last year to, uh, or maybe it was 6,000 last year to 9,000 this year. I wouldn't be surprised if this contest gets uh, 15,000 entries next year, making it a $15 million jackpot. Yeah, especially when word gets out about how much money was won this year, you know. 
Oh yeah, and uh, uh, this is the fir the first three years they always had multiple winners. I think thirty five the first year, five the second year, two last year. So this may well be a single winner, regardless of any chopping that's involved. I think next year we all should get together, the guys on this show, and throw in a couple bucks and 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 enter four or five times and try to get through this mess and. Why not? It'd sure be nice, Jim, to sit here and talk about our ticket being alive in this right. Hey, <laughs> how about the guy that picked the anytime TDs for 14 different players, put up five bucks at DraftKings, and won a half a million dollars? Incredible. Just incredible. Yeah, I don't even know if Travis Kelsey was one of those. He, did he catch a pass? I don't know, but the pass? final one was McCaffrey when he scored right. on that running play. Yeah. That, that was, was sure nice to have in his back pocket, McCaffrey, to score. That was a really nice one to have. I think McCaffrey would have liked to have that uh, parlay ticket in his back pocket. <laughs> for sure. No doubt about it. Bought so by a friend got Andy, Andy for some line moves this week. Okay. Uh, yeah, well, let's, let's start with the Thursday night game, Jets at Browns. The advanced line had the Browns five and a half at home. The opening line on Sunday was six and a half. That's now been bid up and across the number of seven, where Cleveland now a seven and a half point favorite over the uh, uh, New York Jets. That's the Thursday night game. Uh, on Sunday, Rams at Giants. We talked about it earlier. The Rams, the advance line was six. They opened six and a half and remained at six and a half. But uh, that line has come down as, as of about a half hour before we started this uh, uh, this podcast. They are now four and a half. And the total has gone up from 42 to 44 and a half at least. And a lot of that has to do with the Giants announcement that they are uh, benching DeVito and going with Tyrod Taylor, who came in and engineered some nice uh, drives against the Eagles and, of course, played earlier this year when, uh, uh, first of all, Jones was injured and then uh, uh, some other uh, opportunities that he had uh, late in games. Philadelphia will be hosting the Arizona Cardinals. The advance line in this game was 10.5 for the Eagles. Now, they went out and didn't play their best game as they haven't in a number of weeks. Remember, the, the lines came out, the advance line came out after they lost at Seattle on that Monday night game. The following day, the line came out at 10.5. At 10 the line before uh, the Eagles played on Monday uh, was, the, uh, was up to 12 against the Cardinals after their performance where they struggled to beat the Giants and knowing also that they have the Giants next week and they're still playing the win the division the line was actually reopened at the the earlier number of 10 and a half and we haven't seen much movement in that maybe a little bit back and forth between 10 and a half and 11. Uh, Miami at Baltimore the advance line did have the Ravens as uh, three-point home favorites uh, when it reopened on Sunday it was reposted at three got bet up to four and then uh, back down to three and it's currently up a little bit to three and a half points it, well you can get three at the traditional minus 110 or you can lay three and a half even money, take the three and a half with the Dolphins. Uh, personally, I don't mind paying the minus 110 and get that solid number of three uh, rather than lay three and a half at even money almost in every situation, especially with the importance of this game. And the final one worth mentioning, charges at Broncos. Jim alluded to it earlier. Russell, Russell Wilson benched uh, Jared Stidham uh, will be the starter for the Broncos. Broncos were the uh, six and a half point advance favorites over the L.A. Chargers. That's where it opened again on Sunday. It uh, well, was taken off the board uh, for the uh, game that uh, uh, the Broncos played uh, Sunday night when it was reposted uh, Monday morning. Uh, they were five and a half point favorites. It has now been adjusted downwards to four and a half uh, with Stidham being announced. And I can understand that uh, that line move simply because he doesn't have any experience this year. Uh, Chargers 
better effort against Buffalo. Uh, I'm not going to compare it to their effort against the Raiders because just showing up would have been a better <laughs> effort. But really for much of the season, and of course with Easton Stick now having a couple of games under his belt, uh, Denver's still uh, alive for a possible wild card. They'll need some help, and it begins here with a game uh, against the uh, Chargers. They do play at the Raiders on uh, in Week 18. The Raiders have beaten the Broncos uh, oh, the last three, uh, four, I think, Two or three seasons in a row. I think the winning streak is like six or seven against Denver, uh, considering both sides. So those are the uh, uh, significant line moves. We talked about the Packers-Vikings game. Actually, there's been no movement thus far in that one. The Vikings opened as two-point home favorites over the Packers. The injury situation throughout the week with uh, uh, Hawkinson being out and Addison and some of those other injuries, and, of course, the, uh, the injuries that Victor also mentioned has not impacted the line, at least not thus far. You know, what amazes me, Andy, is I thought I would never see the day when there would be a move in the New York Giant football game because there was no Tommy DeVito. <laughs> <laughs> you know, for, for me, guys, the irony is that uh, Tyrod Taylor is worth about a three to five point bump on the over underline for the New York Giants. Wow, that's interesting. It looks they're, they're that better of an offense when he is the quarterback. And with that said... Russell Wilson of the Denver Broncos is worth zero to the over-under line because that OU line has not moved with the announcement that Russell Wilson is out and Jared Stidham is in. Wow. Nice little Russell Wilson stat we put in the newsletter this week that since he's been the quarterback with Denver as a favorite, I think he's covered only three out of 14 starts, and he's on an 0-7 point spread run as a favorite with Denver. And I have to believe that there's been some internal issues that they've sort of alluded to all season. And I wonder, and they're they're negative issues. And Mm -hmm. I wonder if having benched Wilson and basically indicating he's not going to be our quarterback next year, we don't know if it'll be Stidham. But I have to believe, you know, you saw the way the Raiders reacted when they got rid of McDaniels. It's a different situation with a coach and a quarterback. But the same feeling may have existed within the organization and certainly within the locker room that Russell Wilson is not a team player whatever it is. I don't know any validity to it. I'm just going by what I'm surmising from the timing of the move and that we may see a better effort out of the Broncos. And if you like the Broncos, uh, you may actually be getting uh, the benefit of that slight drop in the line, uh, which seemed to be fairly priced when it was five and a half, six. I think it's all surrounding the fact, Andy, that I think it's sort of been verified and proven that Russell Wilson is indeed a prima donna and the players in the team just don't dig it at all. Uh, you know, from the standpoint, even when they played games overseas, he, he would fly in a different plane. Come on, man. Uh, but anyway, yeah. Russell Wilson, uh, we'll be talking about him. Maybe he'll go into my former quarterback database next year. Uh, so I don't think we're going to certainly see him anytime this year. With that, let's bring in our good friend and producer of the show once again, Greg De Palma, for our roundtable segment. I know Greg's got some questions, and I know we've got some answers. All right, before we get started, though, uh, since this is the final show before 2024, I figured it would be a good time to take a look at some of the better viewer questions and comments sure. from the message boards. And we'll try to update these a lot a lot more frequently. Uh, obviously, a lot of these questions you guys have already answered, and uh, so that, that's part of the reason why we haven't talked about it on the show. Um, but uh, let's, uh, let's take a look from just last week. Jeff Todd Kobasuk. I think that's how you, I probably butchered his last name. Kobashik. Kobashik. 
See, yeah. I know I pictured his last name. Kabashik said, very interested in any last home and road game angles and trends. There must be a boatload for this week. This was last week and the remaining games of the regular season. So, so there are still two weeks left. And again, I'm sure you guys have already answered this question, but uh, do you have anything for any of the viewers who are uh, not aware of this question? Again, any last home and road game angles and trends? Well, it was really a good question by Jeff, and I didn't answer him back directly because I honestly, in truth, never had a chance to get to it. Oh, okay. Trying to put the newsletter together here. Uh, and Jeff, I will answer you. I'll answer you personally. I'll okay. get an email, shoot it out to you. But uh, I do know this, that when you're looking at last home games, to me, it's almost a semi gumball coming out of a machine. And uh, again, it's because it's... Uh, relative or subjective mm -hmm. if you will it depends upon what players were there what was the team all about and so forth who was the opponent that all goes into the mix of the result of those last home games mm -hmm. now there are what i call systems or uh, angles that uh, revolve around last home games where a team or teams had done something or didn't do something prior to the last home game that are also i think more relevant and uh, i'll break those down a little bit more in, in like i say in an email and next week for the final week of the National Football League because it will be the final week and every team at home will obviously be in their last home game. We'll tear that apart a lot more next week. All right. Uh, Kevin, catch your side. Now, again, this was last week before the Baltimore-San Francisco game. Jackson, my bet for MVP before the season, got him at 16-1. to 1. So good luck to Kevin with Jackson now as the odds-on favorite. Nice. Very nice odds there. I'd like to have a, a, a part of that ticket, but not yes, as much a part of not not as much a part of as I'd like to have as the survivor ticket. Oh yeah, uh, that's yeah, that's what I'm saying. And uh, by the way, don't don't forget though, Brock Purdy was the odds-on favorite last week, and look how that changed. Uh, Martin Parodies, I can't believe you guys don't have more viewers and subscribers. You guys are top-tier OG handicappers. So that's Martin Parodies. Yeah, well, we that's, appreciate that. that's and that's on us. We're going to work on that real hard in the offseason, guys, and try and boost some of these ratings here because uh, I do know as a fan, you know, I look at what it is that we do and I look at it and I say, hey, if I was a fan, would I enjoy listening or watching this show? And there's no question in my mind that I would because I learn things on this show every week. I learn them from Andy and Victor and Jim, and uh, I know our listeners also do so. And, and Greg. And Greg, and Greg also. too. Absolutely. So uh, we're going to be working on it next year, and uh, hopefully next year you'll say, wow, nice job you did getting new viewers onto the show. Yeah, I think if we can keep a, 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 a better uh, – some more viewership during the off season, I think that could really help as well. And I know you, yeah. you're constantly busy with the new uh, publication, and it's very hard, but – I think that's uh, that's one of the things we're going to work on too is maybe trying to be a little bit more uh, flexible during the off season. Well, it, it comes down to promotion, of course. Everything about you know life is promoting it. If nobody knows what we're doing and they they don't know that they should be here, but I listen to a lot of podcasts and a lot of shows, and there are some really good ones. However, we're older guys and we've been around a long time, and a lot of the kids. Right. tend to go with the younger generation, the analytics, et cetera, et cetera. Now, we don't do too much about the analytics, but we've got a lot of trending here. All you guys know a lot of trends. I'm more of a player-to-player -player issue. But, you know, the, we are – we attract an older generation because of our ages. In fact, we've been around. The problem is I don't know that – not the problem. It's a good problem. 
I don't know anybody out there that I listen to that picks as many winners as we have. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> you know, Jim, that worries me about the new generation of sports better. You know, they just uh, they finally legalized sports betting down here in Florida as of a few weeks ago. And uh, uh, Mark, I don't know whether you signed up at the Hard Rock or not. Uh, it's the first thing I did uh, when I went down there with my wife was uh, set up an account with the Hard Rock. But what concerns me is this new type of younger better. The guy who does not have the attention span, the person who wants to get rich quick on one day. You mentioned old school. That's us. We're fossils. Uh, a very smart guy taught me that in the course of a long season, you grind out the profits and you, you hopefully have a uh, successful and profitable season when all is said and done. But again, this new type of better wants to get rich quick. They want to hit that six person parlay that parlay you just mentioned jim about touchdown scorers in every nfl game and right. that that new type of better concerns me well you mark know, what is the uh and andy maybe you know this what what is the actual like if you hit what percentage of winners would you consider a successful season because I don't think most younger betters get it. Right. I think they're they're suckered into I'd, hearing I'd say, people promote, oh, I'm 80%, I'm 90%. That's all garbage. 55%. And it's a good season. It's a damn good season. I say, you know, 55 to 58 is uh, is is solid. 60% is attainable, uh, but it doesn't it, that's something you can't count on year after year, but if you consider the math, 60%, you make 100 wagers, you know, so that's uh, what maybe 5, 6 a week. You hit you make 6 you make 100 wagers, you go 60 and 40. You take out the vig of 4 on the 40. That's uh, so 60 and 44. Uh, me, that's, yeah, that's 16. That, that's basically one unit of profit, you know, per week. And depending upon the size of your unit, that's what your profit should be. Now, there are people now I talk about on the uh, contest video, the leaders are hitting in the 65, 70 percent area. But that's to be expected when you've got several thousand contestants. They're always going to be outliers. But also what I show on the what I talk about on the podcast for the contest is the percentage of the field that is hitting 60 percent or better which is a good barometer for an excellent season. And a lot of people might be surprised how difficult it is to hit 60%. The percentages are maybe around 10% or so of the field in, in most of these contests with several thousand people. People think it's easy to hit 60%, but you're looking, those people don't look at it by how things change over the course, for example, in a contest and even in, in just regular betting week to week to week because your thoughts change. You overreact. You don't react enough. Oh, I like this team. And all of a sudden they go on a two game losing streak and all of a sudden your confidence level uh, decreases. That's why we see even in these contests, the percentage of uh, contestants hitting 60 percent declines steadily for the most part throughout the contest because opinions are constantly changing and most people think well i can hit uh, you know three out of five every week yeah but that's if you're looking at it at a static point in time your opinions change as the season changes and the lines maker the lines maker generally does not overreact well i'd say this andy uh and your comments were spot on and uh the the, the one 
word I would like to pass along to everybody that's new in this game or likes this game or thinks that they're going to rip this game apart by the uh, shreds. It's not going to happen. <laughs> Jim, you know this as well as anybody. Yeah, unfortunately, I do. <laughs> you know, and I think the most important thing that people have to keep in mind is this thought that we're in it to win the battle. We're going to lose wars along the way, but we're in it to win the battle. And by the end of this football season, if you stick to your game plan, you don't deviate, you don't chase, uh, avoid parlays, and if at all possible, avoid teasers. Just beat the odds maker at what it is that he uh, doesn't want you to do, and that's to bet the football games as they are rather than all the exotics. If you can do all that, you stand a really pretty good chance of showing a profit by the end of the football season. That's you know, I, I'm a believer in analytics if they are used properly as guidance, not as this is the situation of all times, like, you know, go bring it on fourth down. It depends upon the game situation, the score situation, etc. Perhaps the one, and I'm going to call it a simple analytic situation that I think, and it talks about value and everything, that a lot of the professionals who use these uh, sorts of uh, analyses, they don't play teams, they play numbers. They understand the percentages. Uh, the right. only the only question I have with that is that if you play numbers, you have to play the numbers. You can't all of a sudden make excuses like, well, the, it fits my profile for playing a number, but I don't like the team for this reason. You have to consider that that is probably already baked into the number, which is why which is why it is where it is. But I think that of all the analytics discussion that I've heard, playing numbers rather than teams, especially in the NFL where the numbers are sharp, seems to be you know some decent advice. Victor, what, that, what you're saying, along, Victor? That goes along with what I was thinking. You know, when a, uh, the odds makers know they're pretty smart dudes, and they're, they're backing their stuff with the odds makers are different than the bookmakers, but they're sort of they're connected in a lot of ways. They're putting play, plays out there, numbers out there, and they're backing it with their money against the world. I have to give those people a lot of respect for somewhat knowing what the hell they're doing for sure and you're not going to go in there and rush and bum bum rush them and take all their money i mean they're not dumb so you have to show respect i heard one analyst last week talking about how dallas was going to absolutely kill miami kill miami and i'm thinking <laughs> to myself how can you say that you know that the uh, the odds makers made the game one two one and a half pick you know and you've seen these teams play 10 11 games you see what they do how where does that come from? And of course, he lost. He could have won. I mean, it was very close. But that's not showing respect to the person that put that number out there. And, and I think you start out by respecting your opponent. And your opponent is the odds maker. It's not the other players in the world. It's the odds maker. It's always, it's always been, by the way, I was going to say that you hear the concept of trap games. I don't believe in trap games. What looks like a trap game simply means you may not have all the information that is available to the odds maker where the line can be justified by the odds maker using information that we are not considering. So it looks like it's a trap, but it's just because a, a lack of, 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 of similar information. Well, first of all, you, you look at this Miami game at Baltimore. Baltimore just played a very physical team in San Francisco, and they played it the last game of the week. Now they have to fly back home to Baltimore with less rest. A Miami team that had a little extra rest. Now Miami's got some issues with their wide receivers. They're always tweaked up a little bit. They're fast guys. They get banged up, and so they're maybe Waddles hurt, maybe Hills hurt. You got to check all that. But that's a big advantage. Enough of an advantage to give Miami an edge 
in that respect. Now, if they're hurt, that wipes a lot of that out. But these are the things that you got to look at other than just your yards per point or stuff like that, because that's in, that's spread out over a whole year. And you got to take the 70-point game out that they played against Denver. Those stats don't matter in this game. So, I mean, there's a lot of work to going into this. Right now, I'm doing very well, very hot. First four or five weeks of the year, I wasn't. Today, it's working because I'm seeing things right. I think that happens with all of us. We get, we get good vision at certain times. Well, you know, one thing you mentioned that, Jim, about, uh, and I think it's really, really relevant, is uh, these players are humans, and you know, they have, they'll re- react to what it is that they just did. Witness the Dallas Cowboys when they ripped apart Philadelphia. What did they do the next week? You didn't see the Dallas Cowboys. You saw the practice team players wearing those Dallas Cowboy uniforms. And I think it's going to be very, very difficult for Baltimore to be up to the same level this week than they were last week against San Francisco. And not only were they up, they got the job done. So can they play up to the same level this week? Probably not. Is there enough talent in here to overcome Miami? Maybe. But uh, the fact of the matter is I live for situations like this where you have teams that are just geeked up for big games. They win them, they get them, and all of a sudden the next game they fall completely off the map. You know, Mark, I've always maintained, and this goes back decades, handicapping is both an art and a science. The science is the numbers. The art is the application of those numbers to specific situations, scenarios, uh, intangibles, etc. So you've got to really balance the two, I believe, in using, uh, you know, it could, could be 60-40, could be 50-50, whatever it is. But I think you have to consider both the, the, the raw data and then the interpretation and use of that data. Victor, what's, what's the saying that you, you use all the time, Victor, about the, the pros and the Joes? <laughs> Oh yeah, pro uh, uh, pros bet uh, pros bet numbers. Yep. They bet value in the line. Joe's bet on teams, their favorite teams. They knee jerk uh, a team on a three game winning streak or what have you. But uh, it's all about the number, man. It's that that's where the value is. And if it's not your number, you lay off. There's other games to bet on. No penalty for passing. There's all right, well, there's more. Uh, Ernest Brooks, uh, 1215. That was that show we did a few weeks ago. Last year, I did well in bowl games using your angle on teams winning their last game before the bowl games and hammered it. With all the portal problems, do you think that angle is still good? Mm. Well, that's kind of a, a, a wide question about winning their last game. There's a whole lot that would go into what was that last game? What was it all about? What was the margin? What was the spread? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but he brings out a valid point about with all the portal issues that are going on right now. Uh, it makes it difficult sleeping comfortably at night during bowl season here. <laughs> uh, working up these games, wondering, you know, do I want to use this football team even though I know my quarterback has entered into the portal? I know the backup quarterback is good. He's been there. He's been tested before. So there's a lot of decision-making that has to go in. But the whole bottom line here is you absolutely have to stay on top of all of these teams and these players and where they're at as far as the nil is concerned, as far as the transfer portals are concerned, and as far as the head coaches are concerned. Because you'll find head coaches leave, they'll take assistant coaches, and they'll take quarterbacks with them. So it, it's a whole new different world handicapping out there today in the college ball games for sure. Yeah, especially the last couple years, you're absolutely correct. You know, uh, one thing that suffered uh, for our totals team is we've only released one college bowl totals play. 
And you know, actually, you know, the last couple of weeks, we've had our mind on other things. And while I've stayed focused in the NFL, eh, college ball games have kind of taken a hit. But you know what? I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that because the powers that be in the NCAA have absolutely ruined bowl season with the opt-outs, the transfer portal, uh, uh, the NIL, and eventually, guys, you know, the, 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 the television partners, they're going to have to force that these sins be paid for in their next negotiations. Mm. Uh, Adam, last man. First time I heard Mark on the AM dial, I fell in love with his show and still continues. <laughs> Ernest Brooks III, thanks, Andy, for all you do. And we go back October Thank the you. 13th show. Mike uh, Parisi, combination of Mark and Andy, a huge, huge Mark Lawrence fan. I go back to the Mark Lawrence Super Sports Handicapping Show. Love Andy. A little disappointed that his contest segment has been put over to his department. But from the show's perspective, it might be the way. I wish they would consider bringing it back if he could get it all in five minutes. Even for me, it was getting a little long. Andy can bring the data. And that's why it's a separate segment. <laughs> 17 it's five minutes. minutes to be like reading a disclaimer at the end of a commercial. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and our last one, we go all the way back to, to September 2nd show. Uncle Doogie, fun fact, what would be the over-under on how many times the word football is said during the show? I counted 114, mainly by Mark and Victor, but Andy had four, Jim had one. I was curious as it just hit me listening. So very interesting. Well, you would think. Well, well, I think he's the only guy that has the answer to that. We've never thought about that. Yeah. That, never that sounds that. like a retired multimillionaire who has plenty <laughs> of time on his hands. <laughs> and um, I appreciate it. And so I'm going to try to be more updated on these uh, questions and comments and future shows. But um, just getting to the round table, I know we're going to move along here quickly, but I wanted to get your uh, opinion on a few things in the NFL with some of these games we've already talked about. But uh, in the AFC and NFC South, does, uh, does Tampa Bay clinch the South on Sunday, Andy? Well, I, I, my initial thought is I do like New Orleans uh, plus the points. I haven't fully decided on that, but I do think Tampa Bay has played overall the best football of what's been a very, very weak division. I think Mayfield has been a, a tremendous addition to that team. I was never one who knocked Mayfield. I just remember him leading the Browns to uh, that uh, successful playoff season. I think it was when they routed the Steelers in that uh, playoff game. And then he played – probably ill-advisedly, through injury the next season. But that, I think, says a lot to his teammates, and I think that's transferred over to, uh, uh, to Tampa Bay. Now, Tampa Bay did win the earlier meeting in New Orleans. Thank you. You knocked me out of the Survivor Contest with that win, Tampa yeah. Bay. But that does a little bit of a concern because New Orleans also in the playoff position, and obviously, well, as you mentioned, with the uh, Tampa Bay winning, uh, they would clinch the division. And part of it would be because they'd have completed a season sweep over the Saints. So that's why I'm looking initially at the Saints to at least extend the division race one more week. Jim? Uh, that particular game, I would be on Tampa. I, I like the way Mayfield is is playing better than what Carr is playing, number one. The coaching, I'm not a big fan of the Saints coach. Uh, he, I don't think he's pulled it together very well, although it is his first year there. Um, and, and I like the, the energy of Tampa. And um, I, I think it's – I'm not, you know, I'm not big on laying numbers like that, but two and a half is probably a money line play for me. 
Uh, Mark, uh, before I ask you your opinion, here's a trend from the Playbook magazine. New Orleans has covered 13 straight as division dogs of three or more. So, again, right now the line is between two and a half and three. So keep an eye on that for that trend. And I looked at the history, though, because we just talked about it with the Packers. Big difference between Dennis Allen and uh, Peyton, Sean Payton. Well, they're one and know as division dogs are three or more under Allen since last year. And the one win in the one game was when New Orleans lost to Tampa Bay as <laughs> we'll a three-point road dog, 17-16. So yep. Tampa Bay won the game, but New Orleans covered the three-point spread. Same situation. Tampa Bay might be a three-point fave. So everything is eerily similar. And yet Tampa Bay still won but didn't cover. And I, think, I think somebody on the panel here likes New Orleans. Likes the Saints this week. Somebody on the panel does. Yes, I'll I'll wave my hand and say that I do. <laughs> uh, but I'll say this, that the well-oiled machine is what pointed me to New Orleans in the football game. And sometimes you might not like what the well-oiled machine says, but you never, ever argue with the well-oiled machine. It's like your wife. You might not like what she says, but you never argue with it. You just accept it. And I shouldn't have said anything until I read the newsletter. I should. <laughs> uh, okay. Then, right, I'm going to be honest with you. Right now, you don't want to step in front of Mark. He's too high. <laughs> and then on the flip side, AFC South, who's going to win it? Who? Andy? Wow, I'd love to see Houston win it, considering what they've been able to accomplish uh, this year. Jacksonville, you have to have concerns, not just the way that they're playing, but even right now, the status of Lawrence is uncertain. He's got multiple issues to deal with as far as little different injuries that he's concerned with. Indianapolis um, surprised me last week. Not that they lost at Atlanta, although I did have the Colts in that game, so that was a disappointment. But the fact that they were never really in that game uh, from uh, you know, from maybe the latter part of the first period on, I would have expected a better effort against an Atlanta team that had been struggling. Atlanta's actually been playing some very good football. They've lost a lot of close games. If you go back, I think they're four and five in their last nine games, and of the five losses, they've all been uh, one-score games, including some very close ones. So Atlanta had played well. Um, By the way, Houston, do you know that Atlanta uh, has not been a dog since October twenty-second? They've good been a, for them. Very small. Schedule-wise, that's good for them, yes. Their, their numbers have uh, outperformed their win-loss record, and a lot of it has to do with those close losses. I suppose, and, and I, I just wonder what the situation is with the Lawrence and, and the Jags, uh, but I still think of the three teams, uh, they're the most talented. Oh, I do like the defense that Houston has been playing really all year. Jim? I agree, I agree with Andy. I think Houston would be my choice. Uh, especially with C.J. Stroud back behind center, which he's supposed to be on Sunday. Yeah, all, just all three of the teams up. are eight and seven, and I think uh, Jacksonville has a lot of problems right now. Uh, they're getting pushed all around the field. I think they've been out here the last four football games, and they're just losing money. They're bleeding money right now. I wouldn't want any Jacksonville right now. Uh, by the way, in that Tennessee-Houston series, the road team has won six straight, including Houston beating Tennessee – just two weeks, weeks ago, ago. Right. Yeah. so keep that keep an eye on that Jim well I I couldn't I couldn't play Jacksonville at this point because of 
Lawrence issue. I mean, we don't know if he's even going to play. I don't like the way they're playing in other, any other department of their game. And the Panthers, I mean, they're 2-13 and 13 on the year. You can't get too excited about it with them. But they did play tough. Uh, you know, their quarterback has managed to get through the whole season. He's a small guy, but he's tough as nails, and he managed to stay healthy enough, which is saying a lot in this day and age. So at, at this point, you're taking six and a half points, and I would I would have to be on the Panthers. By the way, Jacksonville. If, if there's a, I didn't I didn't play it, but I would that would be the side I would take. If there's tiebreakers involved, Jacksonville does own the tiebreaker edge over Houston and Indianapolis. So if there happens to be a tie, Jacksonville will wind up getting the uh, benefit of the doubt. Victor. Uh, that for me would be the deciding factor that they, they do carry the tie-breaking edge. They're favored by seven this week. They may not cover, and I would agree that if I'm going to bet the game, I'm going to take the points with the uh, Panthers off their best offensive performance of the season. But again, they should win, even with Beathard at quarterback. If he does this week, they'll probably be a three to four point road favorite against Tennessee in their last game of the season. So by default, I would have to say the Jaguars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, those last four losses have been against tough teams, by the way. Yeah, yeah, Cincinnati, Cleveland, Baltimore, and a hot Tampa Bay Buccaneers team. Yeah, yeah, you, ha- you have to believe that Jacksonville is going to win the game and be at uh, nine and seven. And right. clearly, either uh, uh, Houston has a chance to join them. They play Tennessee, and the Colts uh, have a game against the Raiders, who are coming off those two big games against the Chargers and uh, the Chiefs. So you'd have to think that there will be at least. Uh, a good chance for a two-way tie for that division going down to the final week. Yeah. By the way, the Texans, the Texans have gone to five just about everywhere right now. Um, CJ Stroud, that's a confirmation, right? Okay. Yep. Uh, now, uh, before I get you, I'm going to ask you guys uh, wrapping up. I'm going to ask you what your championship college picks are. Before I do that, <laughs> we're talking about transfer portal and stuff. So I'm just going to run. These are the teams that um, that I think that you should keep an eye on for the next bowl week regarding opt-outs and so forth. Uh, Rutgers over Miami. Miami's got their third string quarterback in and they got a bunch of guys, key guys that are opting out. So, um, and Rutgers bringing everybody back. Nobody's opting out. So I think Rutgers, that's probably why the line's starting to go more to Rutgers the last few days. Auburn against Maryland. Uh, two of his younger brothers not playing and that's everything for Maryland. So Auburn should be a good play there. Arizona against Oklahoma. Gabriel is out. He's transferring to Oregon, so they're going to play their freshman quarterback. Five-star freshman, but Arizona's had such a great year. Uh, I think they're the play there. Wyoming against Toledo. Two things there. Their quarterback, Toledo, big-time quarterback in the MAC. He looks like he's he's definitely transferring at this point. He's in the portal, so he may not play. And Craig Bull, the head coach at Wyoming, it's his final game as a head coach at Wyoming, so you know the players are going to play their hearts out for him in the bowl game. And then the last one's Liberty, because Oregon, even though Knicks is playing, Oregon's got me Franklin's injured, so keep an eye on that, the receiver. And they got a bunch of other guys that might sit out, opt out. So keep an eye on whether or not Oregon's going to have a lot of key guys out, because that Liberty team is not a bad football team. And they're getting 17. They're getting a big money line. So I just wouldn't be surprised. I mean, Oregon's playing for nothing. There's just complete disappointment. I just would not be surprised if Liberty kind of brought that game down to the fourth quarter. My only thought there, and again, we're talking about a big spread, is I have to think it means a lot to the players that Bo Nix, who's going to be an NFL draft choice, 
has decided he's playing for this game and not opting out, such as we see from other guys who are about to be drafted in the well, NFL. That's one reason this, this number stayed healthy like yeah. it did. Yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, all right. Championship pick, uh, picks, guys, as I close uh, my segment out. Uh, let's start with uh, Andy. Who, who you, who, who's going to win? Well, we don't have to, I guess, because we'll be back next week, of course. So yes. who's going to play in the championship game? I think it's going to be Alabama against Texas, which is what I think the networks want. They want the rematch. I feel more comfortable about Alabama when you give Nick Saban nearly a month to prepare for a specific uh, opponent, and the fact that they haven't been uh, in the uh, the, you know, the playoffs. Uh, uh, I think last year was that the first year that they missed it since they went to this uh, format about a, a decade ago. I feel less confident about Texas because I do respect what Washington has accomplished this year. They struggled a little bit more in the midseason, but I think that I recall going back to October, and of course their only loss was to Oklahoma, uh, thinking that for a good part of the season, Texas was right up there with those unbeaten teams, even after they had that one loss. So I feel more comfortable about Alabama, but I expect them to be playing Texas. All right. Now, just to show you how I know my my co-host on our lads, Mark Lawrence, I know who he's going to pick. <laughs> And these are two close games. He's going to go Alabama-Washington. Hey, Greg, I'm going to go Alabama-Washington. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like it was a recording. <laughs> well, I'm on Alabama-Washington as well. Alabama to win the whole thing. Well, uh, I'm with Andy. I'm on Alabama and the Texas Longhorns. I believe we'll see that uh, – repeat uh, that rematch that he was talking about and between the two games i do think that uh you've got a potential shootout down there in caesar superdome in new orleans and i'm liking me some texas washington over the current total of 63 points washington's going to be my pick to win the championship so i'm not going to pick the michigan alabama game because michigan's uh, my favorite team so i'd be uh i'm a little bit even though i i understand why everybody's going with alabama um, but yeah, it's kind of hard for me to make that pick. There. Aren't, aren't you picking Alabama by virtue of the fact that Michigan being your team and you're not picking them? Say that again. Aren't you in effect picking Alabama because Michigan is your team oh, and you're not so picking I, them? I can't lose. You mean? Yeah. 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 Right. yeah I, I like that strategy as well. Yeah. Financially speaking, I've already done that kind of. So yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. All right, so uh, let's wrap it up uh, by bringing Andy's uh, picks in for the week. What do you got, Andy? Okay, by the way, I will very quickly tell you, as we mentioned about the, uh, uh, the Survivor Contest, all four contestants have Denver. All four contestants have uh, Indianapolis. Uh, three of the contestants have Minnesota. One contestant has Cleveland, one contestant has Houston, and one contestant uh, has uh, – no, I'm sorry, two have Chicago – not one, two have Chicago, three Minnesota. And you can go to the uh, Circa website and find out exactly who has who and uh, what the various combinations are. Now, as far as the play I'm going to use this week, and I did read the podcast outline, so I think I'm going to get a rebuttal on this one. Uh, I'm going with the Rams uh, over the uh, New York Giants, even with the uh, quarterback change and the, uh, the line move, which is actually favorable for the Rams. When I was looking at it before, it was minus six, now minus four and a half. I imagine it may go up a little bit, although four and a half could more likely go to four than five. Uh, Rams are, are on a nice roll. They've averaged 32.4 points per game over their last five 
five and one straight up in their loss six in, the, in their last six. And the lone loss was two weeks ago uh, when they lost in overtime uh, at Baltimore. Uh, there's, uh, uh, they are, um, well, I was going to say, uh, seven and one straight up, six and two against the spread as favorites this season with an average margin of victory in those seven wins of nearly 12 points per game and six of the seven by six points or more, uh, two of which were on the road. Uh, they are in a need-to-win situation. It's not a must-win situation. It's a need-to-win situation. At 8-7, and seven, they're currently the number two NFC wild card, but they do end the season next week at San Francisco. So they're ending with two straight road games, and it may or may not be a need next win uh, to, to, uh, uh, for San Francisco, whether they play players or not, if they have not yet clinched the number one seed. Because the number one seed uh, gets the bye. The number two seed plays on wild card weekend. So if they get the number one seed wrapped up, uh, they may very well rest players, uh, uh, or at least show minimum uh, starting. Uh, excuse me, playing time for the starters. Uh, the Giants are off a, a decent effort at Philly on Monday, and they host the Eagles next week, which could, in effect, make this somewhat of a flat spot for the Giants, knowing how close they came to pulling the upset last week. Uh, the Rams have played a slightly more tougher schedule, uh, with uh, only three games against teams that are currently uh, have six wins or fewer. So they haven't face this weak competition very often. But against those three teams, they're 3-0 straight up and against the spread. Average score in those wins, 30-14. And now fully healthy, the offense is clicking, which allows the defense to be more aggressive than if the offense were struggling. And, of course, the Rams have a very solid defense. Giants are 5-10, and 10, mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. Their five wins are against teams that are collectively 22-48, and 48 against the rest of the NFL, ignoring those games uh, that they lost to the uh, Giants. Uh, the Rams, somewhat better. They're eight wins, 51 and 61. So that's almost uh, you know closer to 50% and certainly better than the 31% of the Giants. Giants will start Taylor at quarterback instead of DeVito, which gives uh, the Giants more versatility and experience at the position. But the offensive line is still an, ult- an issue. And ultimately, the Rams, who have played well in the second halves of games, to either take or extend a lead after making any needed halftime adjustments. So I do have the Rams winning and covering in this one. And... Uh, maintaining their hold on the uh, number two wild card. Uh, nobody's going to catch Dallas for that number one. Well, that assumes that uh, the Eagles win the division, which they should this week. Uh, that assumes that uh, uh, nobody will catch Dallas for that number uh, number one in wild card seed. Andy Isco on or against, I should say, the New York Giants in that football game for his complimentary play on the show this week. And before we get to my complimentary play and Victor's complimentary play, let me share with you guys our awesome angle of the week, of which Andy will probably put his earplugs in and doesn't want to hear this. Oh, I, I, I definitely want to hear. Definitely want to hear what I'm what I'm overlooking. I'm calling this Divvy Up the Money, and Divvy as in defense. And what we're looking to do is to play on any 333 or greater NFL home dog that's off consecutive losses if they were a playoff team last year and they're facing an opponent coming off back-to-back wins. You go back and you look at this this angle here. For the last 20 years, there's been eight qualifying plays. It's gone seven and one against the spread. They've won five of the games straight up. The play is on the Tommy DeVito-less New York Giants. <laughs> In this football game, <laughs> the New York Giants for our awesome angle play. So Andy and I will be jousting, I guess, a little bit. The, the only game. negative I can point out there is that the food in the locker room may not be as good as the Italian food when DeVito was a starting quarterback. 
Yeah, there'll be no meatballs in the locker room this weekend, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. Okay, guys, with that, it's time for Victor's complimentary play on the football card this week. Victor, what have you got on tap for our listeners out there? Well, Mark, before we get to our free play, let's talk about the newsletters. We're only 20 games into the bowl season, halfway through. So we got plenty of action in the playbook, bowl stat report. We got another, I believe, oh, 21 bowl games left. Um, through 20 bowl games, dogs have gone 12 and 8 ATS, right around 60%. Uh, 11 games have gone over, nine games have gone under. So don't forget, still the playbook bowl stat report. Again, I held up the playbook newsletter a little earlier in the show. The best bets are cooking as always. It's basically an NFL only issue this week. So this week's playbook newsletter, uh, total tip sheet newsletter. Over betters had plenty of Christmas betters last week, uh, plenty of Christmas presents, that's for sure, as 11 out of the 16 games ended up going over the total. It was actually the second highest scoring week of the season. Uh, I believe 48.2 was the average in the NFL, uh, which kind of makes sense given that the first 11 weeks were so low scoring. The last five weeks, basically since November, uh, NFL games have actually gone over the total at a 59% clip. And finally, one more thing that we do is the Wise Guy Report. This is the Wise Guy Contest. It is sponsored by Playbook, and basically we get anywhere from 45 to 50 handicappers, uh, and each week they're responsible for a two-star play and a one-star play. They accumulate points throughout the whole season, and there's two weeks left in the Wise Guy Contest. There's a three-way tie for first at 32 points between Scott Wetzel, ER Picks, and Ross Benjamin. But coming in only one point behind is Mark Lawrence. He's joined the top five. He's one point behind first. And I also got to point out that the number five guy in the contest is yours truly. Victor King. Just one point behind Mark Lawrence. So, Mark, good luck to you in the Wise Guy Contest. And good luck to me, too. And, By the uh, way, again, Victor, there's only two weeks left. What I wanted to ask you, because they are, the contestants are also allowed one triple play in colleges and one triple play in the NFL. Have you and or Mark used either of your triple plays? There you go. That's our. That's what we're keeping under our hat. We're the only two co uh, contestants in the top five that have yet to use their three-star play. Until and this I, week. <laughs> and I learned that from a smart uh, uh, buddy of mine. Hold yep. off on using that three-star until like the last three weeks of the season, and I'll be using mine next week in the final week. But with that said, guys, we got a free play. We're going to give the ball to our boy Tuco. He went one and one with his team totals last week. And this week, we just talked about the game. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, New Orleans Saints. I'm leaning over in the game, but what I have already bet is Tampa Bay to score over 22.5 points on their own it is a team total uh we're talking about a tampa bay team that has played tremendous offense as of late in fact they're tied for number one in the nfl in scoring in the last three weeks at uh, 31.0 points per game that's about nine points higher than this week's team total line which is just 22 and a half for the home favorite buccaneers uh, I mentioned the fact that Week 16 division games have been very, very good over situations. In fact, division home favorites of a field goal or more 
have averaged 30.8 points per game in that sixth game of the season. Of course, last week, Tampa scored 30 at home against the Jaguars. NFL home favorites scored 30 at home the previous week, have averaged 29.0 points per game in their next game. And again, I am not impressed by the current version of the New Orleans uh, defense. They've been hit hard against good offenses and good quarterbacks in the second half of the season, and they've actually allowed 24 or more points in each of their last four road games. So there you have it. We're giving the ball to Tuco. It's a team total on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on their own to score over 22.5 points this week against New Orleans. And again, um, I'm sure a lot of people, after a perfect 5-0 and week last week in NFL and college football, want to know what Mark Lawrence has planned for New Year's weekend. Well, thank you, Victor. Uh, before I get to that, I want to uh, turn this over to Jim Feist for his final closing thoughts on the NFL football card. Jim, anything you would like to pass along before I wrap up the show? Well, there's a lot of games this week that it's going to be difficult for people to determine who's really going to show up and play. Uh, a lot of coaches are going to be probably moving on to other jobs, grocery store bagging and stuff like that. Um, you know, but there there are a few teams out there that I think are are still going to play with a lot of pride. And uh, Seattle, Seattle, and uh, and Pittsburgh are two of them. You have a three and a half point line there with Seattle, who's been the cardiac kids the last few weeks, just won their game two weeks ago in the last second, and did it again last week. Uh, Lane points, Pete Carroll against Tomlin. You can't say much about the Pittsburgh offense, except they looked a little bit better last week. They finally found their star wide receiver. Um, Rudolph with quarterback is, is um, you know, he's a questionable talent, but he looked a little bit better, better play calling. I would take the dog there. And I bet the I bet the Packers and Vikings over earlier in the week, but I did it at 43 and a half. It's 46 and a half. So I really can't tell anybody to chase a number like that, but I do like it. Now, as far as a teaser play, I like Cleveland, six point teaser, Dallas, six point teaser. And I actually went and took the Rams as a six point teaser when they were six points. Now they're four and a half. So it's still there, but you could also add in something like the Chiefs, a six-point teaser. We know they're going to come to play, and they are going up against the Bengals, who are really hurt. They got Reeder on the defensive line. They got Chase out. Uh, the quarterback took, took a real hit last week, just like Purdy did. Too much pressure. He made a lot of big mistakes. But they're teams that I looked at as six-point teasers as possible winners. Jim Feist, another wealth of information with who he's looking at on the National Football League card this week. And just a quick note in passing, Jim, you mentioned Kansas City here. They're back at Arrowhead off of three successive home losses in a row. And there's some great numbers inside that stat. I've got them in the playbook of football newsletter this week. Pick it up. You'll be, your jaw will drop when you see how they play in this particular role that they're in this week. Before I get to my complimentary play on the show this week, once again, I want to remind you, our segment's being brought to you by our friends at uwager.lv, where you can receive monthly 5% rebates if you're a customer on all your losses. Check it out, uwager.lv, or give them a call toll-free. The number is 1-800-U-WAGER. And by the way, as Victor mentioned, 
on the heels of our NFL 10-star play last week. I'll be doing my 10-star college bowl play of the year this weekend. You want to check that out. That will be available also online at playbooksports.com. My complimentary play on Sunday's NFL football card, we're going to go inside the NFC South division and fade those Jacksonville Jaguars who have struggled, I mentioned earlier on the show, the last 10 times they've been at home against NFC teams. They're 1-10 against the spread. The last times they've been home favorites over the last six years, they're just 4-9 and nine straight up and 3-10 and 10 to the number. In fact, Worst of all, they've been out-yarded each of the last four football games in a row. This team is leaking oil like the Exxon Valdez right now, the Jacksonville Jaguars. we got to put them on the fade list here and use the Carolina Panthers, the football team that's really closing out the season in pretty good fashion here right now. They're coming in this football game 3-0 and against the spread in the series, the last three games in the series. Give me the Carolina Panthers plus the points, my complimentary play in this football game. And that's going to put the final wraps on this edition of Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. I want to thank our co-host Victor King from King Creole Sports, Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com, and our good friend Jim Feist, the legend in Las Vegas, for all their contributions on the show this week. And, of course, our producer, Greg DePalma. Until next week, once again, this is Mark Lawrence reminding you to always remember to bet with your head, not over it, and good luck as always. 